0: Welcome to Style Zephyr, a life and style podcast brought to you by the Alec and Bradley Blind Faith Cigar. Same family, new amazing chapter. Live true at alecbradley.com. And now your host, Kevin Quinn.
1: Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this brand new episode of Style Zephyr at stylezephyr.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and clicking a few likes here and there on our uh, what we got going on for you today. Uh, so much has been going on lately. I'm a little bit behind on my schedule. Uh, a few things falling through with the uh, some travel plans that I had going on lately, but uh, just happy to be getting some brand new content out, and I've got an awesome new guest for you today. Uh, so far, spring has been trying to rear its sexy head around the corner, but every single time it seems like we get a chance of some break in the sunlight. We're going to get a brand new polar vortex and it'll be a high of about zero with a wind chill of about minus 49 here in Chicago. That's okay. Just another day in Midwest paradise. Am I right? Thank you again to uh, Franco's Restaurante in Bridgeport for the, uh, they were our first restaurant uh, being featured here on the Zephyr. Uh, Mr. Frank Ruffalo and his team uh, just had lunch there the other day. Had the amazing cheese ravioli. Everything was homemade, fresh, and uh, my usual baked clams. There's about a dozen baked clams in these guys. They're so good, and it's nice to finally get. Uh, whenever you get a little bit too much breading versus your clam itself, so a nice little uh, ratio of breading to clam in that guy. It was so tasty. Had my Stella on the side. I've got a actually I've got a Guinness in the fridge right now. i to be enjoying this episode with. So uh, lots uh, lots happening. Lots of uh, great and exciting folks with different uh, career paths and different uh, experiences and inspirations that I'm hoping to be sharing with folks uh, as time goes on. Another special thank you to Alec Bradley and uh, Alec Bradley, uh, the uh, sons of uh, Alan Rubin, the namesake of the Alec Bradley Cigar uh, Company. Alec and Bradley Rubin presenting their subsection of Alec Bradley. Uh, the Blind Faith is the official cigar for the 2019 series of Style Effort. Incredibly great. Uh, the blends, the binders, the wrappers, and the fillers. You've got some uh, Nicaraguan in there. You've got some Esteli a phenomenal blend, but the boldness and the flavor of it is a really great uh, cigar. A little bit of a richness in there, and especially when uh, Alan had, had uh, mentioned in a IPCPR interview that uh, they had always uh, they always had a Maduro in their collection. So it was great to have a kind of like a Maduro piece, a brand new item in their uh, collection, and not to mention a uh, sub uh, a sub section of their uh, portfolio. So. Definitely worth checking out over at alecbradley.com. Looking forward to a brand new promo that I've got going on with them and maybe even uh, trying to make it out to an IPCPR if we can make it happen with uh, logistics and schedules and the whole nine yards. Anywho, too much of me. More about the podcast. My main event interview today, I have got Mr. Gary Matthews. Gary was able to uh, very kindly sit down with me for a while at the bar over at Drum Bar. It is uh, voted the best rooftop bar in Chicago by Forbes magazine. Uh, you can reach uh, Drum Bar. They're over. Uh, they're in downtown. Uh, they're 201 East Delaware Place, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, right offside the uh, Hancock Center. Right around. Uh, right off the Gold Coast area. Such a great place with a great, great vibe. The atmosphere is superb. Um, I love the, probably one of the best old fashions I've ever had. Um, I most recently had a uh, it was an apple stone sour that was phenomenal and tasted like uh, tasted like fall. Uh, so many great recipes and uh, again the vibe the atmosphere and uh, for folks who want to use out the space on the rooftop lounge it's a great view uh, phenomenal atmosphere and especially once the uh, season if the weather ever decides to turn have a wonderful view you've got Lake Michigan right in the background. But Gary was kind enough to be able to sit down with me for a little while and talk about. Uh, cocktails and mixology and his experience in the industry, his training, his development, and essentially uh, the essence of style zephyr, and what inspired him to want to get into mixology and what inspires him to develop the menus that they do. So I'm going to be featuring Mr. Gary on the show here today. So I'm going to get right on into this thing because it's Really insightful, one of the better conversations I've had and uh, I've been able to have with someone in quite some time, which is with work and everything. So, on behalf of myself, Style Zephyr, all the folks I've got working with me, thank you so much and then stay tuned. Welcome to Casa de Monte Cristo, leading tobacco retailer in Chicago. Casa features a beautiful 3,700 square foot lounge with a VIP room, a conference room, and theater for hosting your events as well. Their inventory features products from companies like Regius, Alec Bradley, Davidoff, Camacho, Romeo y Julieta, Ashton, My Father, and dozens more. Their aging room includes cigars as sold as pre-embargo. Pay them a visit at www.casademontecristo-chicago.com or cdmcigars.com, the home of the only online retailer. Proudly paired with style Zephyr. Hey there ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this brand new interview at StyleZephyr.com. This is our main event. Kind of sitting back chilling on a crispy, clear, beautiful, albeit absolutely freezing... Uh, day here in Chicago but we got some beautiful views that's because I'm hanging out here at Drum Bar just off the uh, edge of the Gold Coast in downtown Chicago but i got a really cool guest uh, style now dabbling into the mixology things you might say and I have the pleasure and the privilege of having a gentleman on here that's uh, well, he'll tell you all about himself Mr. Uh, Gary Matthews he's the beverage director at Drum Bar here at Chicago Gary, thank you so much for being on this effort with me today
0: Thanks for having me, Kevin
1: Pleasure not, to be here absolutely not a problem my pleasure um, like I said it's uh, getting more into like the style dabble aspect of things and mixology and drinks and cocktails and everything else and um, it's kind of like you know being like an old-fashioned like a cocktail party you've got bossa Nova playing in the background but we're gonna head on into you know the training uh, the personality behind it the whole nine yards um, but first a little bit uh, about yourself introduce yourself and uh, kind of like where you come from and uh, who's uh, who's a mr who's mr. Matthews
0: Um well, so like I said, I'm the beverage director here at Drum Bar in Chicago. Um I've been here for be five years, I think, um, in the spring. So I've been here for a little while and I've been the beverage director since it's been about a year and a half. Um as far as bartending, I've been a bartender for about I guess about eight years. Um before this, I was the head bartender at Bartoma. Um that is now closed. Um but I was there for a while. I used to bartend also at Bell's Brewery back in the day. That's how I sort of cut my teeth in the industry. Also went to culinary school. Um, so I have a big culinary background. Um, cooked professionally for a while. Yeah. Damn.
1: Jack of all trades and a master of quite a few really badass cocktails. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had the, pro- I've, 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 sampled a couple. Uh, some from some other folks bartending. They're awesome. Well, that's pretty cool, though. Uh, I did not know that about the culinary. So that's pretty sweet.
0: Yeah, I went to school in, um, in New York. Went to the French Culinary Institute. Ah, up, up there. Yeah, it was good. Nice yeah, top yeah, shelf. It was, yeah, it dig good. it. <laughs> it was a good experience. They did a really good job. Um, you know, cooking was my first love, and I, I still love to cook, but. But, uh, you know, I I'd sort of take those culinary skills and apply them to the drinks that I hear do at Drum Bar.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a big thing that we're going to touch on in a little while, actually. Your initial style inspirations, as far as for... Because that's pretty diverse right there. But everything kind of intertwines and intersects and into each other, kind of different inspirations from other things, like you said, as far as even for food goes. What, you know, was it at an age or was it something... What initially triggered, like... The interests, and especially, we'll dabble in it more also. But like, because everything has a history to it too. Mm-hmm. What sparked cocktails and food and culinary and like hospitality? What started that for
0: you? Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I just go back a little bit farther. And um, I grew up in the countryside in southwest Michigan. Um, we had big gardens growing up. I um, grew even tons of different foods. You know, from peppers, tomatoes. Carrots, melons. We had some blueberry bushes, tons of stuff. So food was pretty integral to my childhood. Um, very early on, I had a pretty strong connection with like where food came from. So, you know, seeing it grown, um, harvesting it. Uh, my dad was a big hunter. I mean, also we had you know fresh fruits and vegetables. We had occasionally had you know venison and fish um, that my dad hunted, you know, and fished. Um, so I had a pretty strong connection. Growing up and so it was always sort of a healthy interest for me. I noticed around when I was Probably around 10 or 11. I started getting into watching Cooking shows when they were on like PBS so on and so forth Um, both my parents are pretty good cooks as well Um, They both do a really good job and my mom has a lot of cookbooks So I started reading cookbooks when I was very young. I would say by the time I was 12 I was either when I came home from school. I would either doing one or three things I'd go outside and play basketball. I'd either look at cookbooks or, like, I'd play video games. Like, I did basically those, those three yeah. things. So pretty average, except for, like, maybe, like, the cookbook sort of thing. Is not very common for 12-year-olds. Sure. Um, so I got into food very, very early. And when you get into food and you read, you know, you start reading Gourmet Magazine when you're 12 or Bon Appetit or just looking at different, you know, cookbooks, um, you notice, you know, they talk about beverage. You know they're gonna talk about wine pairings. They're talking about sometimes about spirits. Maybe they're flaming a pan with something. And I sort of always combined beverage knowledge with food knowledge because obviously they go together. Um, so I was also always sort of into drinks, even though necessarily I didn't recognize it as that because I was just always thinking about you know different chefs and different restaurants and different places around the world and when you're learning about that at a younger age, you also happen to be learning a little bit about beverage. So that was always kind of there. Um, So that's kind of how that got started. Um, Moving forward a little bit, ended up going to culinary school, um, pursued a career um, cooking professionally, um, which I really, really enjoyed. And at the same time, there was sort of like a movement in the cocktail community where people were drinking maybe... You know, better made cocktails than they used to in like the, you know, the mid to late 90s and even like slightly early 2000s. And being a foodie and being a chef, you know, that intrigued me. Like I wanted to go out and check out bars and see people who were doing creative, cool things and drinking, you know, Old Fashions and Manhattans. that were just sort of done like, you know, quote unquote properly, how they used to be done. So that was really interesting to me. Because um, I also thought that just, you know, that went with, you know, knowing about food is you know is you want to know what kind of beverages are also delicious with it Um, so that sort of like kind of crept back in the back of my mind as I was cooking and I'd find myself I found myself sort of like when I'd go home at night or the next day I would like always look at different recipes look at different restaurants around the world and different menus I found myself looking at more bars to see what was on their drink menus because I was really intrigued by that and this is why I was a line cook at Turtzel Piano, I should mention. <laughs> um, and essentially, like, the, you know, the balance was, like, mostly food and then drinks was sort of down below, and then sort of, like, the teeter totter got a little more even, and then drinks sort of, like, rose above sort of, like, the interest I was having outside of work. Um, when that happened, I sort of decided I wanted to bartend again like I did I first a bartender at the brewery but um, that's when I got a job at um, Bartoma and became the head bartender really quickly and sort of launched me into where I am today that's awesome that's yeah. absolutely
1: amazing. because it's it's like uh, between like Shauna one of the uh, bartenders and myself and, um, we're, like when we first met and she got you know the idea like in her head when I mentioned cigars it's just like that like pairing is like what goes with what yeah. and like my parents being a little bit more into you know wines than I am um Suddenly, now it's like, okay, well, we just had like a pasta for dinner. Now it's like, I don't really know why, but now I know that, you know, like white wine with a pasta, or of course, like a red wine with a meat. Like, you don't know why, but it makes such an impression on you. And mm-hmm. probably, I think the first impression, and I think you're going to remember this pretty darn well, that's going to be like, it's always going to stick with me. Mm-hmm. But the first time I had, like, cause I've liked old fashions primarily because my yeah. grandfather used to drink them. Sure. So then when I had yours, it was because I was here for a previous engagement and I was made one of the best old fashions I ever had. And then as you and I struck up the conversation, you mentioned the history of it to me, which was like, good Lord. Like, it's just like in life when, when you hear the story of why what things are and mm-hmm. then you, like, you, you, you connect the dots. It's like, wow. Like, it's like the drink actually took on a whole new meaning like a whole new appreciation for it for sure like that's like really insightful and like I said like that has actually changed my perception of why I drink that now it's like a whole new so
0: for you like learning about sort of the history of things and why they came to be right exactly and do you see like that's more interesting than necessarily the the taste of things or obviously things have to taste good you're not going to drink it if you don't like it
1: right but um I think for me personally um what makes because I'm like that with a lot of different things Mm -hmm. um I don't want to like digress too much but like the Chicago History Museum actually used to have um an exhibit uh the story of things okay and it turned out that I like I didn't realize it was only a temporary exhibit otherwise I would tell everyone to go there but um it every they had all these significant historical objects that otherwise you never would have known like there was the table that the get that the Civil War you know was ended like there was where the treaty was signed and um, here's the lamp that started the Iroquois fire in Chicago, and then they actually had a knife sharpener. Wait,
0: they had the table that the that what was signed on?
1: Oh, the, so like when they ended the Civil War?
0: Well, they had the table that document yeah, was signed. Yeah, exactly. On. That's awesome. And then it's just is like. Is that still in Chicago? Or is uh, it still I believe there?
1: it's in their archives. I don't. Okay. I think if they have either an above ground or, or below ground archive at the museum, they still yeah. have that there. That's incredible. Um, yeah, they've got um, the and then because they had a couple like model you know model T's, a couple of different cars. But then, for me personally, what I loved, um, they had a knife sharpener from yeah. like the turn of the 20th century. My great grandfather huh? did that. He, you would literally just walk up and down the street all day, every day, and this is on you know like cobblestone streets. They're sure. not paved, and you would ju- people would just bring knives out to him, and you would sharpen knives. And then like they would have like, awesome. like, like those old like goofy. Like rickety bicycles that you would see, like with the giant wheels and like the itty bitty ones. Sure, yeah. They have those in the kids section at the museum. Okay. My great grandfather did that for a job. He would uh, ride his bike up and down the streets in Chicago every day at dawn and then at dusk, either lighting or igniting all the gas uh, street lanterns. Yeah. And it was like, holy shit! Like it, it, it's now like a whole new meaning because of like you can connect to it in such a much more personal and intimate way and then like for the cocktail um when i we were talking in conversation when i was in tampa florida um my parents told me hey if you have the chance go to the columbia restaurant okay because my grandfather in world war ii was a crew chief on b-52s in florida he was stationed in florida okay. my grandmother was also my busha and she was a riveter they used to go there during the war same same menu same family same ownership everything so now, for that, it was an hour wait, but it was totally worth it. I recommend folks get rest- get reservations if you have the chance to. Um, so that place to me now, I don't know if I'll ever go back, but in my mind, I now share the same memory that my grandfather used to have.
0: Oh, that's cool! And
1: it was like, oh my god, like so cool. And then the one time they even took my parents there once before they before they got married. So I was like, for me, it was like, and, and we could probably just make this into a question because it was going to be on my list. Um, Do you think that the idea of experience, it's kind of like how there are some folks outside here right now doing a a clothing shoot for some whatever they're doing. Um, For custom clothing, has become so much more of an experience versus just going in, getting measured, getting fitted. That's actually a really nice jacket he's got on. Um, I think he's got his initials monogrammed on the back of the cuff. That's pretty cool. Um, Do you think at all that within the industry or just maybe if it's like a Chicago thing or just in your opinion is – do you think that experience is something that maybe could be or has been embraced in the idea of like mixology and drinks and? Oh, of gr- course. You
0: know. Yeah, of course. I mean, with food and beverage, you know, I think people in, you know, people want to show you a good time and they want you to have, you know, a great experience. I think it can, and I'm interested to hear your opinion on this. Like, how much, how much, can, like, how much can the experience? override the actual content mm-hmm. of what you're actually consuming or purchasing, you know, whether you know whether it's like a jacket or clothes and you're going in a fitting, or if you're coming into a bar and it's like very, very showy, maybe it has a very elaborate presentation. And that's awesome. Maybe the cocktail looks looks great on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But like does it also taste good? And I feel like the best places, you know, combine both those yeah. things. Because if you're teetering too far in sort of like the quote unquote experience. I mean anything could be the experience. Like yeah. going into a so I've gone to Japan the past couple years. And going in, you know, Japanese bars are very they tend to be even more quiet. Yeah. You know, everything's very precise. Everything's a little more calm. Mm-hmm. And to me that's an experience too. Um so it kinda depends what you mean by experience. One can be showy. Yeah. And also could be I mean it really could be anything.
1: So, Chef Marco Pierre White, if you're mm-hmm. familiar with special yeah, culinary, first British chef to ever get uh, three Michelin, Michelin stars. stars yeah. um, I absolutely love what he said, and that is, it's exactly related to that because it's the idea of what's cosmetic versus what you're actually getting in, getting out of it. And he actually said once, um, when you over, uh, when you over garnish a dish, show it like very 80s, 90s, like you just drop fucking yeah. like chives all over a dish just sure. like make it look pretty. Does it? And he goes. He goes like, he says in an interview once, um, "You made it look really nice. Did it change the flavor? Not really. Yeah. So it's like, what do you, like, what are you getting out of it? Um, my website, I actually take like that kind of a philosophy with because I wanted it to be. I'm not an Apple fan. Like, I the only device I've ever used is my i my iPod, and it's mm-hmm. been on my dock for like three years now because I use my phone now, Droid, um, and." I I want the website to do the speaking for me and that's where I want like the million dollar you don't have to pay a million dollar especially for working on Michigan Avenue I don't want people to have to pay a million dollars to get a million dollar experience but I want the content of what I produce to be what speaks for me yeah. um the mo- the best most confident restaurant does not have salt and pepper shakers on the table right like I want what I do by I disseminate what I produce um whether it's for you guys or for anybody else, that's what I want to do. That's what I want the experience to be. That's what I want it for. Um, I'm almost never on the st- As folks can probably tell, I'm almost never on the style. Is that for Facebook? Because I find it really boring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what I what I make for the content and stuff like this is what I really want to focus on. Um, but um, Gary, we're actually going to have to take a quick break. Okay. Because this has been absolutely awesome, but we're uh, it's, it's that time anyway. Folks, this is Gary Matthews. We're here at Drum Bar in Chicago. Stay tuned after this.
2: Hi, my name is Alan Rubin, and I'm the founder and owner of the Alec Bradley Cigar Company. For 20 years, Alec Bradley has been raising and reinventing the bar for premium cigars. Based in the United States, we grow, harvest, and handcraft the finest cigars utilizing the highest quality tobaccos from around the world our quality has been featured in numerous publications worldwide including Cigar Aficionado, winning Cigar Aficionado's Cigar of the Year in 2011 with our Prince Auto Line. While we're proud of our accomplishments, we're most proud of doing what we do with passion and an emphasis on family. We oversee every aspect of cigar manufacturing with a care and attention to detail that is unmatched. The end results are cigars that bring people together, enhance relationships, and moments that are well-deserved by those who choose to participate. At Alec Bradley, we have our own flavor, uniqueness, and style. Each cigar is its own experience and is true to itself. As a first-generation cigar maker, we don't have generational history, but we honor the timeless traditions associated with fine cigars, and it's time for us to start our own traditions. So, come live true with Alec Bradley. For more information, please visit us at www.alecbradley.com. We proudly pair Alec Bradley with style effort to be true to you.
0: Are you looking for a vintage flair for your home, closet, wardrobe, or even toy collection or jewelry box?
2: Come home to great value at Affordable Antiques and More. With 25 years experience, the award-winning store boasts 11,000 square feet of vintage furnishings,
0: DIY, and wedding supplies. Find them on Facebook and Instagram with affordable shipping available. Call today at 630-505-1463 or stop by at 1508 North Naper Boulevard in Naperville. Don't forget to say hello to Shaggy! Affordable antiques and more, proudly paired with Style Zephyr to be true to you.
1: And we are back. Thank you all so much for sticking with me here on the Style Zephyr. Once again, we are on a, with the windshield, it's around minus four, but that's okay. It is the season here in Chicago. We've got a beautiful view here. Yeah, at Dr- here so
0: that's fine. Yeah, it's
1: a little bit of a global warming as far as we're trying to be. And then like with these extra folks over here with that photo shoot, um, they're heavy mouth breeders. Anyway, that sounded, sounded better. Um, Mr. Gary Matthew, the uh, beverage director here at... Uh, here at drum bar in chicago gary thank you once again for your time with me today you're welcome so we're gonna keep on keeping on with this guy um as far as the actual inspiration behind the cocktails and then behind the recipes and all the logistics that actually goes into the recipes um what sparks the recipes what sparks the inspiration is it ingredients is it i mean i'm sure at some point seasonal um, what goes into like a theme or something else that will just... What makes it under the menu
0: for you? Yeah. Um, it's actually a pretty complicated question because it, it can... Sort of create, creativity can sort of... Inspiration can come from really anywhere. Um, but I tend to look, um, as far as the menu, like, a, like making a puzzle, right? So you know... You don't necessarily know what it's going to look like at the end. Well, puzzle—you do know the end. You have a guide. So maybe this is a great analogy, but anyways, it'll make sense as, as I'm explaining it. Basically, you have an end game. You know, you have to make a menu, right? You have to be like, "Hey, this is going to be my summer menu." So, like, like okay, that sort of creates a general theme. Like, what is summer? So you have sort of, you know, some guidelines there. And sort I, I sort of like work backwards. And sort of, you know, it's sort of like letting like dominoes fall too. You know, so. But the inspiration can really come from anywhere. Um, I like to travel, so oftentimes I find inspiration in things that I eat and flavor combinations that I have when I travel. Um, For example, I had this, this is like two years ago when I was in Thailand, and I had this really delicious um, salad that was cured kingfish with pomelo and lemongrass so pomelo is sort of like a grapefruit but it's much bigger Mm -hmm. but it's very like aromatic like citrus and but the combination of the grapefruit and the lemongrass was so delicious i mean especially over there because like the fruit over in thailand is is really next level Mm -hmm. um but just like that one flavor combination like i remembered that in my mind i was like when i was sitting there eating a dinner and i was like that's so good together like I have to use that sort of combination in a cocktail at a later point and I end up doing something like that like later in the summer nice um or in the you know later in the year so really inspiration can come from anywhere it's kind of hard to predict you know like like where does creativity come from That's a pretty complicated question but I tend to you know let the season be the guide and then you know I use travel as well Gotcha,
1: because I was just mentioning, like, for that app, but I can't, I can't, the the name of it, the Apple Sour, and when I had first asked about it. Fuji
0: Apple Whiskey Sour, yeah. There you go.
1: I would have never, no. Um, It's delicious, but, and then, like, I was first drinking it, or, well, before I started drinking it, I'm I'm looking at the menu, and um, the young lady, she goes, well, what do you think you have a taste for? I was like, I don't know, because it's, like, all these really, really, you have no idea, really, about the ingredients, although they sound incredibly interesting. But I go, it's like, what does this taste like? And she's, she just kind of like looked at it, me for a second. She goes, it tastes like
0: fall. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, for that and- cocktail in particular, um, a little background on it. So it's a it's an apple whiskey sour. Um, it's made with uh, 100 proof bourbon. Mm. Um, cachaca, which is from Brazil. Um, this one's a barrel-aged cachaca. Um, fresh pressed Fuji apple juice. A little caramaro, which is an amaro from Italy. It's made with cardoon and um, a little bit of lemon so it's like a whiskey sour sort of like mixed up. Sure. It sort of like tastes like like fall apple scent. It, it did.
1: And she's like, Yeah, like it tastes like fall. Like if you imagine like leaves and pumpkins, like the smell in the air. Yeah. And I was like, I, I could have downed it with a straw. Like it was yeah, just that, that means it was good. Like it's, it was it is,
0: <laughs> it is very easy to drink. Um but so how did that how that cocktail like sort of came around was I mean, apple and whiskey is such like a classic flavor combination. You know, that's very it's not hard to come up with. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's out there. Like it's very, very obvious. Um, I'm also a big fan of doing what is referred to as called a split base in cocktails. So when you think of like a whiskey sour, like its base spirit is going to be whiskey, particularly bourbon generally. Um, I like to basically cut that in half with a different spirit to make it sort of like a more round flavor. And I've been wanting to use this particular barrel aged cachaça from a distillery called Novo Fogo um, mm. in Brazil. And I was like, bourbon and cachaça actually go pretty well together. Sometimes it takes a little bit to like get them to be like close friends, but you can do it. Um, and I was like, I bet this is going to work really, really well. Because when I tasted the cachaça on its own, it has like sort of like a very like vanilla or like tonka bean sort of flavor. Which is to say it's like vanilla and cinnamon together. So it already tastes like that flavor combination already is going to complement the whiskey. Wow. And I was like, apple's very obvious. So you have an apple whiskey sour, which is like I said pretty straightforward. But when you bring cachaca in there, it makes it, you know, a little more unique um, and interesting. So like that's sort of like also an example of like how the creativity and like what finds inspiration, just like a little bit of like sort of like I'll say like building a puzzle, you know, you're just like, this goes here. This goes here. It's the deconstruction of it. Yeah. Like, what is what and why it goes together. Yeah, and you're like, yes. hey, like, how can I make this more interesting? Well, if I sub out this and what ingredient for something else, sure. that's actually going to go really well together. And you end up with, like, a something at the end is, you know, more unique than when we started. Sure.
1: With your knowledge of all these combos, is there any chance we might see you on the show chopped? <laughs>
0: Uh, I probably could do that. I haven't cooked professionally in a while, but I could probably... Could, could 10 grand abonavate you? Yeah, I Not could. Not from I, me, I, but... I could do that. I've keep... um, actually known a couple of people who've been on Chopped. Did they win? Um, No. Like,
1: lemongrass. No. Eye of newt. Actually, what? Tuna I know fish. one
0: of them didn't win, and another one, he may have won, I don't remember, it was a few oh, years ago. Okay. It was one of my chefs in school. Oh, was on, damn. It's okay. on Chopped. And damn. then actually one of my... Um, one of the people I went to school with, he also was on Chopped. Oh, nice! So I think he was on like the Chopped, like they did like a second show that was like it's
1: like uh, Grand, it's like the Chopped Masters, Chopped the Chopped Masters. Celebrities, and then it's like the Chopped Champions. Like if you won it, then you all come back and then you all compete. Yeah, maybe was like, like, like just the
0: Chopped, and like they, maybe they switched the format or something. I don't know. It's number all right, ago.
1: Well, I'm gonna keep my. I don't watch a lot of TV, but when I do, it's typically Food Network HD. So keep my, I eight. think
0: it'd be fun to do like a Chopped, but like with bartending.
1: Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean. Here we are, Anything's possible. I mean, if anybody has ten grand, they can yeah, lend me. Like, that'd like, be. Yeah, anyone
0: like wants to make that into a TV show. Yeah,
1: like I could maybe do like gift cards to the Cheesecake Factory. Or something. I'd gladly be
0: on it or be a producer. Sweet, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you'll take like vol-
1: if you need if like if your work uh, you know utilizes uh, volunteer hours, that's cool. Maybe it'll be a tax write off. Who knows? Yeah. For uh for the folks who are interested in the career, that feel like you said like for the chefs that you've worked with. Um, because it, like we've said before like it has to start somewhere um, they are dabbling it maybe they're juggling it in their head what is advice that with all the roads that you've taken maybe, uh-huh. like, maybe roads more traveled maybe some roads less traveled um, but to everything that's been you, uh, unique to your experience what is some advice that you would give to someone who is dabbling in it considering it for themselves as a passion career what have you
0: um, yeah so I think, I mean, I think the most important question to ask oneself is, you know, when they, if they're looking to, you know, maybe get into a colonial career or a bartending career, like, you have to make sure you really like it, you know? So you maybe you want to start off as getting like, like a job at a restaurant. Maybe you're not going to obviously start off bartending, but maybe you can start off bar backing or just, you know, introduce yourself into the community and like talk to the people in it and make sure it's something you're really actually interested in. Because it is—it's not for everyone, you know. Hospitality can be very tough. You're dealing with the general public, um, which can be great in a lot of ways, but um, also there are challenges. With it's that. a
1: double-edged sword. It's just it's a like double-edged retail. sword.
0: It's, you know, it's like at a lot of other things. No, but there is—you know—there is—you know—it does have its challenges. But yeah, you know, make sure you really, really love it, um, if that's what you want to do. And if you really, really love it, I mean, just go for it. You have to sure. like really just dive right in.
1: Yeah. And what I've like what I've appreciated is I guess it's also like that ability to communicate because even with cigars, I have a lot to learn. I have mm-hmm. a lot of developing my palate to do. And for a lot of the, like these ingredients that you've talked about, like you clearly need to have had a palate and also that ability to verbalize and convey that to someone of like relating you know, like what do you like? Do you like strong? Do you like mild? Do you sure. like spicy? Like and then it's like the Hondur like you know, broader pictures like do you like Honduran, Nicaraguan? Yeah. Um,
0: but some of that's just experience. You just have to just like taste things, right? Yeah. And like you have to be really into different flavors. That's what I think helps me is that, like I'm really into food and I'm really into drinks. And so like I'm really but I'm really into different flavour combinations. So like like I wanna know like I taste everything. Mm-hmm. Like I'll try anything at least once or very few things that I like really don't like. I like generally everything when it comes to food and drinks. There's only like a couple small things that I'm just like uh, no, I'm not into that. But you really kind of have to just make sure you taste everything, smell everything, really like try to remember why you like it and like appreciate the different textures, the different aromas. You know. Sure, gotcha, gotcha. Well, Gary, um,
1: thank you so much for your time. Very Uh, appreciated. Great, really fun. Absolutely, my pleasure. Uh, Thank you. I'm very grateful to everybody. I'm gonna have some more talk with some probably some folks from the hotel wise. Um, If folks want to. Use the space if they want to have an event here or anything else like that or even get in touch with the hotel-wise. Uh, what are some of the better ways of getting a hold of yourself or the bar or the other uh, building, anything else like that, too?
0: Um, well, you can always, um, if you're interested in knowing a little more about the bar and about me, you can always follow me on my Instagram, which is at Gary Lee Matthews. Okay. And then also the bar is uh, at Drum Bar Shy. Okay, so good. you can always follow those. That'd be great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, it's one of Chicago's... Uh, I don't want to get like the bad language, but like, uh, like the the winningest like rooftop it's, bar, like, it's like, winningest. like I was like, like, the winningest, like the most winning, like no, the the like the, the outdoor. That bad. Yeah, I know, like, the, but like the the bar is amazing. Uh, the outside area for if uh, you know for holding like you know have like a happy hour if you want to do like you know come off come after work and just chillax. Uh, great company, great cocktails. Gary, you've been awesome, man. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. Appreciate it. Awesome. Folks, effort.com. Gary Matthews, Drum Bar Chicago. Until next time, stay tuned. Remember to stay styled.